Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Well, welcome again to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind. It's a a real pleasure to be here again. And I'm delighted to hear that there was lots of Twittering and Facebooking after marketing supremo Jeff Ram bravely joined the show last week on Friday the 13th. Now, he was in fact so good that afterwards I gave him a challenge to join the show again, but to bring someone else along that he really, really admires. And it looks like he might well have achieved this for a show in March. So today I also um, have a friend actually and a client in my office, uh, Sonia Hansen who's just flown in from Copenhagen in Denmark to join my Achiever Programme Mastermind event on Monday. So, um, hi, Sonia. I might be in trouble now for mentioning her name, but uh, as she wanted to listen to the show live, I thought she deserved a, a mention. So regarding today's show, I'm grateful that quite a few people contact me to be a guest on this show. And Jim Beach did this, and he turned out to be an absolutely perfect fit, a fascinating person a complete expert when it comes to entrepreneurialism, and he has an amazing personal story. Now, I should tell you about our first conversation because it was actually via Skype, which I think is a fabulous thing. It's not only an amazing way to communicate, it also gives you the opportunity to connect on a more human level with someone as you can see them when you talk to them, if you choose. Uh, And they're quite often sitting casually in their home, so you find out a little bit more about him at them. And when I um, spoke to Jim, um, I found him, he found himself home alone with his youngest uh, family member, a lively bouncing boy who had uh, decided not to have a nap. And we had our meeting while he wandered around Jim and his office. And I thought of him this week when my five-year-old and two-year-old and dog bundled in unexpectedly while I was having a meeting on Skype. And I was having a conversation with a great guy called Kirk Bennis, who lives in San Francisco. As a consequence, Kurt then introduced his dog to my children. You know, this technology uh, really can help you to see the human side of people, and I love it. If you don't have access to it, get it, get away from the TV, get to know people better, and it's amazing. So, importantly, starting up a new business for many people is a dream. However, few do it, and of those that do, many are unsuccessful. However, it is very possible to create your dream and set up a really successful entrepreneurial business during recessionary times with low levels of creativity and risk. Someone who has discovered this success formula from experience is Jim Beach. Now, Jim Beach's first book, School for Startups, was published by McGraw-Hill in June 2011. Jim has started businesses and he's taught entrepreneurship around the world. At the age of 25, Jim founded American Computer Experience. From 1993 to 2000, Jim grew the company with no capital infusion to $12 million in annual revenue 
and to over 60 permanent and 700 temporary employees. Now, he operates in 39 states and in three countries. Jim also taught entrepreneurship at Georgia State University for nine years and in 2009 founded the School for Startups, a web resource devoted to teaching his philosophy of low-risk entrepreneurship at schoolforstartups.com. And Jim has presented in Japan, Korea, India, Dubai and Egypt and for on behalf of companies like Toshiba and Wells Fargo and SunTrust. He's talked about diverse topics like the future of oil scarcity, how to export in a down economy and getting to number one on Google. However, today we want to discover the key principles of low risk startup. Many of these I can fully relate to on my own entrepreneurial journey. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Jim Beach live from Georgia, I believe. Hi, Jim. How are you and your family today? I'm great. All of us are wonderful. Thank you for so much for having me. You're very welcome. It's an pl- absolute pleasure. So let's start this conversation, Jim, with, um, with asking you, from your, what does the average person think entrepreneurship is and what is your perspective on it? I think if you were to walk down the street of America or London or Dubai, anywhere in the world, and ask people, 100 people, what is entrepreneurship? 99 of those 100 people would say something about risk, something about creativity, and maybe a little bit about passion. They would say, you know, these things, entrepreneurs are creative people that take big risks to start big uh, businesses. And unfortunately, I think that that's preventing people from being entrepreneurs. Actually, the way that you think about entrepreneurship prevents you from doing it. So for example, I'm not as creative as Steve Jobs. I can't think like that. I'll never be a successful entrepreneur. Oh, my two kids are about to go off to college. I can't afford to take the risk right now. And so these are the excuses, the reasons that people are justifying their inertia. Instead of acting, they give me a justification. I can't do it right now. I can't afford the risk. We just remortgaged our house. You know, all of these reasons. And so people think that because it's risky and because you have to be creative that they can't be an entrepreneur. The exact opposite is true. If you change your definition of entrepreneurship and quit thinking about risk and quit thinking about creativity, you can become an entrepreneur very, very easily. It's not hard if you simply reduce the amount of risk that you're willing to take and the way you take risk. You know, especially in Europe, where if an entrepreneur fails, it's my understanding that it's much more difficult to try again. Isn't that true, Christopher? Is that uh, quite well? Quite, quite uh, possibly. I think. Uh, I think there's a realization that's starting to happen that uh, people, and this may, may have come from the United States actually, is that certainly the world of personal development is that often it's people who've been through a tough period and a failure, uh, they have more experience and, uh, and more wisdom, which they then bring to the next venture. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think people maybe have been labeled historically in, in, in many instances, um, but the reality is it's a journey and, and you learn from it, I think. I agree. It's definitely a good thing to have failure. And one of the things that we're trying to do with our method of low-risk entrepreneurship is say, you know what, let's make it easier for you by reducing the chance that you're going to fail in the first place by risking less. So people come to me and say, I want to start a, a 
hundred thousand pound restaurant. You know, it's going to cost me a hundred thousand pounds to do this. And I ask the question: How many beers do you have to sell to make up a hundred thousand pound investment? You know, I have a, a friend, and actually uh, someone related to me by marriage. He started a bar for under three thousand pounds. You know, it wasn't very nice at the beginning, but at least it was open, running. And he didn't risk very much because it only put three thousand pounds into it. And you would you'd call it a dump or a dive. It was not nice, but you know what? Fifteen years later, it's still open. There have been other bars and restaurants that have come and gone across the street that invested a lot of money, but he took a very small risk. And because of that, it's easier to succeed. You're gonna, you know, have a much greater chance of being successful. I just love the idea of not risking so much in the beginning. Yeah. Do Do you think does some of that come from maybe you know people setting up businesses have been in companies or organizations or maybe it's uh, it's it's restaurants and bars which I've got some experience in and because they've worked for these companies and had expect had a certain amount of kind of quality around them and perhaps a paycheck of a certain level. Um, that they want to kind of replicate that? Oh, that's exactly true. You know, people think that they need a receptionist. Well, you know, the phone's not ringing, so why do you need a receptionist? <laughs> and uh, the second big mistake is that entrepreneurs don't get paychecks. You know, the first two or three years that you run a business, uh, every day you're confronted with, I can pay myself today or I can advertise and grow my business. And I remember coming home a lot of times, Chris, with no paycheck in my pocket. And my wife would say, what'd you do? And I was like, well, I spent today's paycheck on advertising because that's more important. And so it is a big problem that you know, someone leaves a, a huge corporation and then they want to be an entrepreneur. You know, they have to realize that no one's going to make their copies for them anymore, that they're going to be the one you know, doing the, the binding and printing of proposals at 2 o'clock in the morning. and It's a different experience. People need to get prepared for that, yes. And, and do you think, is, is it that which maybe holds back certain people from acting on their dreams, the risk of that, do you think? Well, sure. You know, they're just afraid, and they're afraid of failure. They're afraid, you know, that they have to start with a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand pounds. And the main thing that we want to get across is that, you know what? If you start with much less money, it's actually better for the business. If you start with five thousand pounds, not only are you risking less, but your decisions will be better. You won't spend money on stupid things like a new Macintosh computer, right? And we all know those cost three times as much as a Windows computer. They're not nicer, but you know what? You don't need a computer, a new computer. Uh, you don't go out and buy new office furniture if you have a bunch of money. It's just it forces you to make decisions that are based on the market and bringing revenue into the door. You shouldn't be doing anything that doesn't bring revenue in the door just as soon as possible. So we like to teach anything we can do to reduce risk. I'm not going to let any of my students start a business for more than 4,000 pounds, something like that. That's the maximum. If you can't start it for less than that, then you probably shouldn't start that business. And people will come and say, well, then I can't start the type of business that I want to. I have two responses. Well, 
one, maybe you shouldn't start that business. Not everyone needs to start a $2 million business. And second response is, you know what? I bet you could start the business if you changed your expectations of what you want it to be. So we had a, a student, a client named Tierra, and she wanted to start a high-end fashion retail store, you know, selling Versace and stuff like that. I was like, you can't afford the inventory, much less the space, that the only thing you can afford is to start a small consignment store where other people bring in their old clothing and sell it, and then you just facilitate that. But you know what? That store was so successful for her. She did it for under $4,000, buying used equipment off of the uh, internet and things like that. That business was so successful that she now has three stores up and running, and her definition of what success is has changed. She doesn't care about selling Versace anymore. She just wants to have 100 stores, and she's supporting her family. She did all of that for under $5,000 U.S. dollars. You know, so very little risk. You know, if you go on vacation, I know Europeans love to take, you know, August off or a month off. How much do you spend on a week of vacation when you go away? Easily $5,000. Don't go on vacation one year and instead spend that money on starting a very, very low risk business. You know, the most important thing is to realize just because it doesn't make $100,000 doesn't make it not cool. A business that makes 10,000 pounds is still cool because in year two, it might make 30,000 pounds, and that's even cooler. But don't be afraid to start very, very small. I think, I think we're about to go to commercial break now, Jim. I think you make a really, really good point there about making sure you're using your money very well and spending it in those areas that make a difference. And I think a uh, you, you know, point that I can really – uh, relate to as well is actually maybe for a, a period of time you've got to stop those skiing holidays um you've got to uh, reduce your family holidays or, or whatever um and, and feel a little bit of kind of hardship but to, to use that money to ultimately create a, a better business and potentially a, a bigger future yeah i agree you know and it's not risky if you don't get to go skiing for one year um that's actually safer for your knees but uh i I, I encourage everyone to analyze what they're doing, to stop watching who's got talent and instead to turn the television off, sit down with your spouse and figure out a business that you could start. And we want to talk about creativity when we come back from commercial just a break because we haven't hit on that yet. But Fantastic. don't spend money. Great. We'll leave, you, leave that. And after the break, we'll find out a little bit more about your story as well. So we're going to go to commercial break now. We'll be back shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you planned for your retirement yet? If you are a public sector employee, perhaps not. 
Studies have shown that employees of schools, educational institutions, governments, nonprofits, and public safety may lack the information they need to effectively prepare for retirement. For the answers you need, tune in to Lessons in Retirement, Retirement Planning for Public Sector Employees with host Jim Bishop, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's sure to pay off in your future. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with my guest today, Jim Beach, and we're talking about low-risk startup. And Jim, I'd like to um, ask you uh, just to share a little bit about your story and why removing creativity and risk from entrepreneurship personally is so important to you. Well, when it comes to risk, I have gotten the letter from the bank that says you are now $9.8 million in debt and you have 29 days to take you, your wife, and your newborn baby and get out of the house that we are repossessing from you. Um, you know, so I have been you know, $10 million in the hole. And that was not fun. I don't want other people to have to live through that. Uh, and so over time... And I've started several businesses since the business that I was referring to. Uh, I've decided that I'm not going to risk a bunch of money and put my family through that again. I'm not going to put myself through that again. And so I will not, even though, Chris, I could afford to do so, I will not spend more than $5,000 to start a business. It just doesn't need to happen. I think that through good bootstrapping and creative use of money and creative use of marketing, that it's better and safer to grow slow in the beginning, to grow organically, to grow on the income that you produce. And I personally can sleep better at night that way. So really what it comes down to, Chris, is I like to sleep at night. And I like my wife to let me sleep in the marital bed and not on the sofa. And when you're $10 million in debt, I found out you sleep on the sofa. Or possibly the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Or the porch outside (laughs) with the dog. (laughs) So, you know, it's, uh, it's through experience. It's through pain and through success that uh, we decided to write the book and to you know get the term low-risk entrepreneurship trademarked and to start telling people about it because I don't want you and anyone else to have to do the things that we did to recover. You know, we did, of course, recover, but it took two years and was a miserable experience. And I think you're better off starting with little money. You just make fewer mistakes. You market better. You think better. You're more creative. You act in a different way, and it makes you a better entrepreneur. And so I like the the law, my law of starting for only 4,000 pounds, $5,000. That's it. That's all you need. So, so can, can I, how did you 
so, so you recovered from that level of debt in two years. That sounds like a major achievement itself. Um, well, it was, you know, the the problem the business was successful all along. It was never the business model that was the problem. What happened was we were in a very capital intensive business. We had to buy a lot of computers every year, and I'm three or four million dollars worth. And we found a man who could do it, give us computers for free, uh, you know, through his connections, and he became part of our team. And he told us go and raise a you know we're going to raise a bunch of money and this is 1999 during the IPO silliness and we'll let's raise a bunch of money and grow the business and go IPO and we'll all become billionaires and so I started growing the company and spending money and he started raising money and you know we went and spoke with Paul Allen at Vulcan Ventures you know the second guy at uh, Microsoft uh, Bill Gates's original partner mm -hmm. And Paul Allen said, we love this business. It's helping children. We love this business. We want to invest. Never heard from them again. And so eventually I ended up having to fire this man who was supposed to raise the money and he didn't. And I called Paul Allen Vulcan Ventures back and they said, oh, we've been waiting for you to call back. Did you get rid of that guy yet? Huh? I was like, yeah, we're, we're out. We finally got rid of him. And they were like, you know, we understood how he was saving your business millions of dollars but we didn't want to do business with him. We love you and your business, but we didn't like him. And so without me knowing, I went out and found the biggest heavy hitter that I could find. Someone, Chris, that could give me $3 million of free computers every year. But it turned out that he was also a curse and you know he had a reputation he was already a billionaire you know this is I'm talking about someone that you've heard of. You know this man. You know you've heard of this person. Uh, I'm sure. And he has a, a great reputation in the media and in the venture capital space. He has a horrible reputation. People will not do business with him anymore. So I thought I was the luckiest person in the world to have this as a partner. In fact, it was my, the, you know, the kiss of death. And so once we ended up getting rid of him, the venture capital market was receptive. Um, it, you know, it was very painful because instead of going to them and saying, I would like $10 million and then I will go do this, I had to go to them and say, I have already done this, spent $10 million, and now I need you to repay my debt. And so the company was still growing three, four hundred percent a year, still very profitable. And it was just a painful time where we had to, to work through it. The, the number one thing, Chris, that you need to do if you ever find yourself in debt or if any of your listeners ever find yourself in debt, the number one thing that you want to do is stop answering the telephone. That's human instinct. I, I just can't deal with it. That's someone who wants money from me. I just won't answer the phone. That's the easiest thing to do. That's 100% the wrong thing to do. What you must do is answer the telephone and tell them the truth. I am sorry. I know I owe you $25,000. I have $0. My company is bankrupt right now. Here is your choice. You can either wait for me to try to pay you soon or I will go bankrupt today and you'll get nothing. And so when you tell that to people that you owe money to, 100% of the time they will say, I'll call you next week and see how you're doing. 
And you know what? When you answer the phone next week and you tell them what you've done to try to get them money, they will leave you alone and let you work through your problems because the alternative is too horrible. If they force you into bankruptcy, then they know they'll get zero. If you somehow survive, they may get 50 cents on the dollar or whatever. In the end, we did repay every cent that we owed and the business was able to get through that, but it was the worst three years of my life. I ended up divorced in the hospital. Um, horrible experience. Please do not spend more than you would spend on one week skiing to start your business so that you don't end up divorced, bankrupt, and in the hospital like me. That's great, great advice, Jim. That really is. Um, let, let's... Uh love to talk more about this and um but let's let's start talking about you know your your perceptions on how people can maybe go about finding their idea to develop their business well the most important thing is that people are sitting around waiting for what I call a creativity lightning bolt. They're waiting for inspiration. All of a sudden, this light bulb goes off, off over their head and they have this brilliant idea. That might happen for Steve Jobs, but you know what? It doesn't happen for me. So I've had to learn that if I want to start a business, I either need to go find a problem and solve that problem or just go out there and copy someone else's business. Uh, two years ago, Chris, the London School of Economics did a survey. 93% of businesses around the world are copies of other people's businesses. So the question is, if you have Nike, right, are you then not going to have Adidas sports clothes or Puma, right? You have Hilton. Does that mean that Hyatt is somehow wrong? No, of course not. Competition is good. Open up a magazine on small business and see what someone is doing in South London that you can do in Manchester and say, you know what? I can do that here. Or say, you know what? I'm an employee of this company and I think I could do the same thing that this company does better. Go off and do that. You know, don't steal secrets, of course, or don't steal clients. But there's nothing about a business model that's not that you're not allowed to replicate. Go on Google and type in top 500 free business ideas. You'll find that there's about a thousand websites that give away business ideas. Do one of those. In other words. Do not wait for creativity. Go find creativity. Do not be afraid to take someone else's idea and make it better, to adapt it, to improve upon it. Do not wait. Do not wait. If you wait, you end up dead with no business. You've got to decide, I'm going to do it now. I'll give myself a month to research businesses out there, and I'm going to pick one at the end of the month and do it. Don't wait around for God or Buddha or anyone to strike you with this creativity gift. It doesn't happen for 99% of us. We must create our own creativity. Go out there and study how to be more creative. We can teach you that. Go how to learn how to do a brainstorm. We can teach you to be more creative that way. But if you don't have an idea, just go copy one. And what's wrong with that? Does your bank care if you you know, only if your idea is someone else's idea and that's a business that someone, you know, a mile away is doing also. No. Do the customers that you satisfy 
care where you got your idea from. No. All they care is that they get good service, good products at a fair price. That's all that matters. And, and Jim, do do um, something interesting. Do you think that people can um, set up a business um, equally comfortably in an area that maybe they've got no experience in? So if you're suggesting looking for different business options. Maybe you see one. I think notice in your book you talk about renting out uh, um, uh, some equipment to um, people who've got newborn children. And, right. uh, you know, could I, who've got no experience in that, except the fact that I've got young children, could I do that? I don't see why not. It seems like you have the only two criteria. Uh, one is desire and two is you know how to change a diaper. And uh, I don't think that experience in an industry is relevant at all. I have started 10 businesses. Nine of them were successful. I have never had any experience in any of the industries that I did business in. Sometimes the fact that you have not done business there is why you're successful because you look at things with a new set of eyes and see things that people who have been there for 50 years don't see. I don't care if you've got experience. I just care how hard you're willing to work. Uh, I think that's really, really helpful, Jim. We're going to go to commercial break again right now, and we'll be back again in two or three minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm talking with Jim Beach about low-risk startup and removing creativity and risk from entrepreneurship. Uh, Jim, I'd really like to get into now asking you some questions about uh, reducing risk. And I know you have some strategies that you call bootstrapping, which may be very helpful to some of our listeners. Yes, you know, bootstrapping is you know a 200-year-old term, I think, and it refers to reaching down in the mud with your hand and when your feet are stuck and there's so much mud and the only way to get out is to pick your shoelaces up with your fingers and to move your foot forward with your hand. And that's really what we're talking about here is hard, brute work that's sometimes better than money spent. So I will do anything that I can do to not spend money at the beginning of a company's lifetime. It just, it's not what the company wants and it's not good for you or the company. So in the book, I think we have something like 25 different strategies and tools that we use to uh, reduce your risk and to make it easier for you to start up. You know, so for example, and you, you've heard about some of the, the stereotypical ones like not getting office space and you're starting in your garage or in your kitchen or, or whatever. That's you know stereotypical, but of course I believe in that. You know, the first office that I ever had, Chris, was uh, twelve hundred square feet. I think that's maybe like two hundred square meters, three hundred square meters, something like that. And it was two levels. My office was on the staircase. Um, we were so crowded that I used the staircase as my office for two years. My inbox was one step and my outbox was another step um, because the employees deserved better space than I did. So I used the stairs. But other things like, you know, the number one expense for a small business is usually your internet, the website creation, getting all of the website up. I almost want to kill an entrepreneur when they come to me and say, I spent $5,000 getting my website designed. I insist that all of my clients learn how to do their own web programming. I give them a $19 or 15-pound DVD set. and You can go on eBay and type in WordPress uh, DVD learning set or something like that and buy a 30-hour learning package that comes on a DVD and sit down and for the entire weekend do nothing but watch it. Uh, or you can go online. There's lots of free classes that teach you WordPress. I insist that my entrepreneurs, my clients do their own uh, web editing 100% themselves. And if you go on my websites, I did those websites. So if you go to timelesschair.com, which is my furniture company, uh, that I did that website. If you go to internationalentrepreneurship.com, I did that website. I am not a programmer. I'm not a technical person. But you know what? As an entrepreneur, I have to do it by myself. Uh, another thing, we're uh, crazy about using forced labor. So you know, anyone that has a, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, that's what I call labor. And so say I'm mailing out 10,000 letters. And, you know, that cost postage plus three or four cents 
for uh, someone to stuff the envelopes and lick it and close it and all of that. I'm not going to pay that money. I'm going to have a pizza party at my house, and everyone I know I'm going to invite and tell them there's free pizza and we'll watch TV together, but you're stuffing envelopes while you're here, and bring your boyfriend and your girlfriend, please. Um, also, I will go to my customers and say, you know, can I get service uh, or payment now for something I'll render in the future? You know, if you go to a customer and say, you know, I'll give you a free year of food. Say you're a gourmet baby food company and you deliver gourmet baby food. Chris, you may you know think that's a good business. There's several here in the United States that are doing really well. Organic gourmet baby food delivered to your house. Well, say I was starting that business. I could go to 10 neighbors and say, if you give me 500 pounds each to start my baby food business, I will charge you half price for the next two years or the next two babies, or however it goes. Do you think you could find people, Chris, that would take up that offer if they knew how good your baby food was in the first place? I think you can. So there's all of these really creative ways. You you can go to people with creative things like that. If I were going to open a restaurant and I needed... You know, $10,000. Go to 10 people and say, you give me $1,000 and I'll owe you $1,000, but you know what? You'll also have a guaranteed table at my restaurant whenever you walk in. You walk in and there'll be a table with your name on it. It says reserved for Chris Cooper. You know what? That sounds cool to me. As a person who likes to eat out, I like having a reserved table. And you know what? You might find 10 people that would take you up on that offer. Uh, so this whole idea of bootstrapping, Chris, is just the, the mindset that I'm not going to spend money unless I absolutely have to. So you want to run ads. I want to run an ad campaign. Well, I, I would say, have you gone and knocked on 1,000 doors yet to sell your baby food? You want to run an, an ad campaign in the Leicestershire, I'm sorry, how do you say it? Leicestershire. Leicestershire area. Well, that's going to cost a lot of money. What if you made a thousand tiny samples and went around to housewives at a park and said, I'm going to be making organic baby food. I deliver. Here is a sample. Here's what I made it from. Have you done that for three weeks yet? You know, so when you tell me you want to run an ad campaign that costs $2,000, I say go to the park where mothers are and give away free baby food for a week and see what happens first. You know, so it's an idea that I'm not going to spend money. There's a crazy way that I can market, finance, uh, find employees, anything that's more entrepreneurially minded that reduces my risk. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's really interesting what you what you're saying, and I, I think about my own kind of consultancy, people development type work. And if I look at how much I've invested in websites and people helping to uh, develop those and keep things going on going, and I look at where my um, my revenue has come from and work has come from, it's generally come from me picking up the phone. Uh, and I, I even know somebody with a multi-million pound international consultancy business who doesn't even have a website, which uh, I'm not saying you should do it that way, but it can be done. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the w- number one thing I tell entrepreneurs is that the first hour of every workday is done on marketing, outgoing marketing. And you never 
open your email until you've done one hour of outgoing marketing. So, Chris, if you get most of your business from, you know, on the telephone from telling people about your services and making calls and things like that, you and every other entrepreneur, me included, spend the first hour of everyday marketing. Because you know what happens is you work really hard to get some clients and all of a sudden you're focused on getting that client satisfied and all of a sudden you finish that client and oops, I have no more business in the pipeline. And so it's a boom, bust, boom, bust, one hour, first hour, everyday marketing. You make make an interesting point there in terms of first hour because actually – the first hour is often the easiest time to get people, particularly if they're just coming into work. And once I start my day, I'm in catastrophe mode, right? You know, I'm just solving the problem of the day. And so how many times have I made a list of the 10 things I want to do today and I open my email, oh no, I have to solve this problem. And my wife comes home and says, what did you do? Did you get anything done on your to-do list? And I'm like, well, I actually never even started on my to-do list because I was in crisis mode because I went to my email first. And we do that. We get a client that calls and says, I've got to talk to you immediately. And all of a sudden, your day is gone. You produce nothing. You make no you know, filling the pipeline. You don't make any outgoing efforts. And all of a sudden, you wonder why you don't have any new business in the pipeline. One hour every day, first hour before the catastrophe sets in. Fantastic. <clears throat> Great. Um, so, uh, it's really, really good, really, really good pointers there. Um, I was just um, just thinking in, the, in that one thing that I found very helpful, and I'm just writing a book myself at the moment, but uh, to get me to act and use the phone is uh, it's a suggestion from uh, somebody I know about putting a tick on your phone, which was basically kind of the Nike tick, which is a reminder to just do it. <laughs> yep. um, and I find that helpful. I've also put it on very crudely because actually every time I I've, I've pick up the phone, I can feel it as well. And yes. it's, it seems to work for me. It reminds me to, uh, to get on the phone. Yeah. Do you have to do things like that? You know, I just put it into my scheduling software from 9 until 10. You know, and it says they're unpleasant stuff. You know, I know what that means. I have to do my blog, then I have to return the telephone calls. You know, the stuff I don't want to do, I do from nine to ten, and then I know I'm going to do it. And if you know when you're going to do it, it takes half of the the procrastination out of it. You know, I can procrastinate until nine a.m. Then I will do it. So, good, very good, very good point. Then when you've done it, you actually feel like you've achieved something, don't you? Yes, you cross something off your list. It's very satisfying to cross things off my list. I love that. We've got, we've got two minutes left until we go to commercial break. Um, I want to just ask you, in terms of innovation, um, how do you go about creating wow, sort of a wow factor around your business? If you can't tell me why you're different from everybody else, you shouldn't be in business. So one of my clients recently was a copier salesman. There's nothing worse than a copier salesman here in the United States. The only thing lower is a used car salesman. And his value proposition was I sell copiers. And I was like, no, 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 no. Here's what you do. Imagine you're in a really crowded, congested road and you're making zero miles an hour and all of a sudden you're driving on an eight-lane super highway going 90, 200 miles, 200 kilometers an hour. That's what I do for documents and paper. 
oh, see, people can understand that. You're not selling copiers. You're making paper go fast. You're making my documents usable. You know, the analogy works. And so, oh, okay, you're not a copier salesman. You make my documents work for me. You know, you make it easier to find them, sort them. You do things that make me more productive. You make me go eight times faster because I'm on a super highway now. People can understand that. And so you could take something incredibly boring like selling copiers and you make it sound sexy by telling people the value of what you give. The value of a copier or a good scanner is that I have really good access to tax records that are five years old. That's a different proposition. Mm. Uh, uh, absolutely. And it's interesting in those kind of fields that, because I, I, my first ever job actually was, was working with uh, Rank Xerox, the copier company. And I remember this many years ago, but I remember that looking at the sales force, my first job was looking at their remuneration was there was a, it was uh, about three salespeople who were earning almost as much as the rest of the sales force put together. Uh, right. And, and they were doing something different. And I think what you described there was one of them. Um, they were driving around in Porsches and uh, doing extremely well. And, uh, but they were clearly highly respected by their clients. Uh, and imagine did advisors, really. Chris, imagine a beggar with a sign that says, I'm blind. Now imagine a new beggar blind with a sign that says, it's a beautiful day, but I can't see it. Mm. Same message, different presentation. Which beggar would you give money to? Absolutely. It's a powerful little story, that. So we're going to move across to another commercial break, and then we shall be back again very shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. 
Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with Jim Beach, and we're talking about low-risk startup. And, and, and Jim, we were talking about um, sort of creating a wow with your business, but we also started to talk about the, the Internet, and you made a great point about getting to understand and uh, work with the Internet yourself rather than paying other people to do it. What are your recommendations about really effectively use, using the Internet? Well, you know, now it's so critical that you engage your customers in every way possible. So, you know, the new youth, the people, the market from 18 to 35, you know, they expect to be marketed to and communicated with differently than than you and I do, Chris. You know, here we are old men now in our middle age and the youngsters don't watch TV. You know, some, I read somewhere that only 25% of uh, 20-year-olds watch TV. They watch their computer. They watch TV on their computer or on their mobile device instead. So there's so many issues that we need to think about. If you are on the internet, you need to make sure that it's mobile uh, compatible. You know, why have a website if 50% of your users are now looking at it on a mobile device and they can't see it. And so you need to make those considerations. You know, almost every business today that I'm starting is somehow using the internet either as a marketing tool or as simply the entire vehicle itself. You know, the educational business, the online educational products is a huge industry here in the United States that is simply exploding. Uh, I would encourage people there in the UK to really think about that. There's no easier, higher revenue, a higher profit margin business that starts for cheaper than an education business. If you're an expert at anything, you should be teaching online right now and making uh, 90% of your revenue from online. Uh, the sale, uh, sales online, retail online, of course, is huge everywhere. And you know, actually, in the UK, you're better at that than we are. Tesco, for example, we don't have a company here in the United States that's as good as Tesco uh, in delivering internet services to their customers. But certainly, I encourage everyone to become 100% internet savvy. You've got to be on Twitter, uh, social media. Uh, you need to be using the Facebook and all that stuff because your customers expect it. It's demanded of you. And I personally can't stand Twitter, Chris. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world, but I pay people to do it because I know my customers expect to find me there. Mm. And, and, and do you think it's okay to to pay people to do it as opposed to doing it yourself? And, and well, you know, I we sit down once a week and I say, here are 20 things that I would tweet. And, you know, uh, here's what I want you to be talking about and, and things like that. So it's certainly done with my direction and my help. But... Uh, I personally am not, you know, I, I just, I find myself not doing it. Remember we were talking about that 9 to 10 in the morning where you're doing your unpleasant stuff? Mm. I, I, I can't even get myself to do it then. I just don't like it. And so I realize that's one of my weaknesses as an entrepreneur. And you have to correct your weaknesses. If you don't know about finance, you need a good finance. You need a good, you know, chief uh, financial officer. I'm not good at doing social media because I get lazy, I get tired, I get busy with other stuff, and so I pay people to do it. It's not the preferred solution, but you know what? 
I wouldn't recommend this in the beginning. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit further down the path. I can afford to do that now. Please, as a beginning entrepreneur, don't do it yourself. Remember, no one can sell your product and service as well as you can. So whenever you hire someone, it's one step away in quality. I'm still my best salesman. You know, I'm not good at Twitter, but I'm my best salesman. So do realize that when you hire someone to do something for you, the quality intrinsically goes down. You know, you can't express my message as well as I can. I can sell my widget better than you can sell my widget because it's my widget. And so, you know, I am making a mistake. I know I'm making a mistake. I'm not doing best practices. I have to admit that I'm a little bit lazy and that I would rather do other stuff. And so, you know, I focus on other aspects of marketing. Yeah, so I think that makes a, a lot of sense to use other people uh, and their, their skills. I'll just add a note to say we've got about three minutes left till closing. So I'm going to move on from, uh, from there. Any key messages you'd like to leave people with? Do not wait around for creativity. Start now. Just because the economy is bad does not make it a bad time to start a business. This is the best time ever. If you can sell a product or a service now, imagine how many you will sell when the economy picks up in a couple of years. Do not wait for creativity. Do not risk more than one ski holiday vacation of money. Right, We've established that criteria, the ski vacation holiday. And one more thing, just because you are passionate about it doesn't make it a good business. And just because you think you want to do a business doesn't have to be something you're passionate about. Chris, I am passionate just like you are about my family and my kids. I'm passionate about the fact that I can stop work at 3 in the afternoon and go watch my child's football match. I'm passionate about that. Don't wait around to be passionate about your product or service. You don't have to be. I'm passionate about the lifestyle, not my products or services. Don't wait for creativity. Don't take a risk. Passion is irrelevant. The only thing that matters is getting started today. Do something today. Turn the TV off today. Make a commitment today. That's all I have to say. Fabulous. And that's really good. I just want to just say a huge thank you for uh, the time that you put into today and sharing. I, I've certainly gained some really useful insight myself from uh, the conversation with you today. I know that if people want to find out more information, they can go to um, www.schoolforstartups.com. That's right. Your, your site. Um, and everyone who buys the book as well, um, which is uh, School for Startups, gets free access to the Learning Center for a month which uh, sounds like a good opportunity to take advantage of. So thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. Um, and it would be good to have you back on the show again sometime to share some more wisdom with us. Um, just want to move on to um, sort of saying for next week's show, we have international entrepreneur and author Joe Simpson, and we'll be on talking about the importance of values in business and life. Now, Joe sort of set up a very successful business based in Dubai before she made a lifestyle choice to move back from the heat to the balmy winter, wet and cold of the UK, as it is at the moment. Um, we'll find out more about why she did that next week and why values are so important. Uh, I think it'll be a great show, so do join us next week. If you've got any questions, um, you want to be a show guest or have feedback, um, please send to info at bemoreachievemore.com. Join me on Facebook if you want to at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. 
Uh, and if you want to get uh, more updates around the shows and things like that, join my mailing list at bemoreachievemore.com. But uh, thanks again, Jim. Really, really Thank appreciated. you. Hope you've enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Thanks. So um, speak to you all again. I hope next week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.